Hi, I'm Han. And I'm Sheree. You're listening to It Just Got Real. So, Sheree, we've been hanging out in Mexico this week. I should really say co-working because... The hanging has been a minimal. <laughs> it has been minimal. While, like, it sounds, like, luxurious, but I, I want to be really clear that we are, like, working. <laughs> this is not a vacation. But we did get to have, like, a brief hangout the other night over dinner and spend most of it talking about work, which is us. <laughs> Why? And like you had this? a moment. You had a moment there, didn't you? I did. So so my moment this week, folks, is actually a real-time, real-life moment that happened. And Han was actually like a critical component of it. So I'll give you guys the backstory. So essentially, Han and I went out to this Portuguese place So we're having a conversation and per normal, Sheree's feeling uncertain. And that's a theme that I probably need to talk to my therapist about. But (laughs) we got down to a conversation around work. And it, it reminds me of a quote I saw on Instagram a couple of months ago. That was like, you don't need a mentor. You just need to do the shit. Mm. It's like you're always searching for answers for a thing. But like the reality is you're actually not doing the things you know you need to do. But my moment really was realizing that one of my challenges is not having discipline around creativity. And so I'll give you guys some background on what's been happening. So Tastemakers recently pivoted, I'll say expanded because I am not leaving travel contrary to what March might've felt like. We've definitely added a new product line in this membership and I've been kind of slow to the drop. I wanted to take my time and figure it out. So I was intentionally slow, but now we're in the like, it's figured out mode and the level of creative output required of me in this new business line on the daily is like pretty significant. When we were only doing trips and experiences, there was like a large amount of creativity for a period of time. Like when we were, when I was living in Ghana and living in South Africa and trying to create the experiences and meeting the people. And then there was like a level of management and scale and process required to scale it on the back end. But with this, it's like, I'm the person on my team that in many ways understands what this membership needs to be. And so it requires a constant sort of pulling out of what would be an interesting conversation? What would be something cool for our members? What, like, on top of that, there's all the other creative work I do at Tastemakers. I'm still our product designer. I'm still our marketer. I'm still our Instagrammer in chief. It means that this role requires consistent creative output that's directly tied to our outcomes as a business. And I have never had to be in a role like that. I think if you're in advertising or you're a designer or like Han, you went to design school, there's a muscle that you sharpen. And I got this from Han that like I've just never had to do. And so in many ways, my greatest sort of creative accomplishments have come in these like like magical flights of fancy. Like I'm sitting down and in a dream, it comes to me, 
boom, this is what you should do. And then I do it and then it's great and it's awesome. It's excellent. And a lot of that is intuition. Yes. And I don't trivialize intuition because I'm very much an intuitive leader, but sometimes you just have to get the shit done. And the moment it got real for me was realizing that like, I'm not always doing that. I'm so caught up in the idea of intuition and what it feels like that there are times when I'm not like just getting something out that's not maybe a home run creatively or that I don't love to pieces and feel like is the greatest thing since sliced bread. And the challenge in this new version of my business is that that's required of me. That was like a fundamental mindset shift. And some of it was like, I mean, Han used the word lazy, which was triggering, (laughs) but not inaccurate. It was kind of a harsh word. But But it probably was necessary to say out loud. Because, I mean, if you would have dressed it up, I don't think it would have hit me the same way. You asked me about creative block. And I was like, I have a controversial opinion, which is that I think creative block is lazy. And it's just not being disciplined enough to sit down and do the creative work because all the creative people that I've ever listened to talk about how they get their work done, talk about it being hard and annoying and difficult to push out many days. But the importance of sitting down at the keyboard and writing a page every day, the importance of sitting down and finding 10 images you love first thing in the morning, the importance of sitting down and like drawing a sketch, whether you feel like it or you don't. And that's like where the real shit happens. And so I would use the word lazy because I think that creative block is really a concept that was invented by people who are creative at their core, but maybe never learned that discipline of managing their creative spirit. And so it's kind of like that genie in the bottle moment that you talk about how like sometimes the creative spirit strikes you and you have a home run, but there's other days where it doesn't and it does feel like a bit of a block. But if you have learned how to manage that, like kind of manage your magic to some degree. Manage um, your magic. Hashtag put it on a sticker. You know, <laughs> you you learn that it's, it's, uh, it's just a thing you got to do because for anybody who makes their living off any kind of creative pursuit, like that's how you eat. And it, you can't just like walk around for months and months being like, I'm creatively blocked and not pay your rent. Like that's not a thing. It just, you got to figure it out. Are you paying your bills this way for me? <laughs> like it was that. <laughs> like as soon as you hit me with the like, I was like, I do earn a paycheck these days, you know, post seed round, <laughs> shout out to our investors. And I probably can't have a creative block. I probably need to just figure these damn events out and get these Instagrams up, like period. Mm. I mean, I kind of like to think about it instead of as like a, you know, to use the term like black and white thinking of like creative block or a creative flow. Think about this more as everything in life, which is that it's always, there's always shades of gray. There's always nuance, right? And and I think about managing my creativity or managing my magic as like a, as like a tap. And I wrote this, this article once called Keeping Your Creative Tap On, which I think is still online. It's not going to be that every day you turn on that tap and it's like a beautiful stream of like hot water. Someday you're going to like really try to turn it on. It's just going to be like drip, drip, drip. But the point is, is that you're like making a point of trying to turn it on every day and channeling this thing that is... Um, yeah, a little bit elusive and, and thinking about it more like a gradient and more like sort of like, yeah, shades of gray as opposed to like a yes or no thing. 
Yeah. And I think the other thing you did for me that night that I really appreciated was like also moved me out of a place of judgment because it's not like mm-hmm. these things aren't happening. And so I'm just like twiddling my thumbs. Like it's, yeah. it's also like, you know, making your main thing the main thing. And I think as entrepreneurs, because there's so much shit to do all the damn time, we can easily jump to other things that might not be as valuable or impactful for the outcomes we need and use these these so-called blocks to justify them. So Han has definitely converted me to that there's no such thing as a creative block. And I'm like really excited about trying that on for size as an approach to how I do my work, but also to work with my team. I think really motivating everyone to sort of understand it's not always going to be a home run, but that that shouldn't stop forward movement. And I think specifically for creative things, it's really important to to think about those ways. And it is it does also feel like building a muscle because I feel like if you're doing it every day, it also creates like the systems to allow it to be more repeatable than the genie in a bottle, you know, lightning in the bottle or whatever they call it moment. Like I think that's a part of it too. And yeah, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying that on for size. I love that. Taking getting out of the judgment space. Because I think another thing we talked about briefly is the importance of procrastination. Like one of my favorite authors, Margaret Atwood, talks about this and how she uses different names for herself in procrastinating and working like Peggy and Margaret or like designer Jessica Heesh talks about the importance of procrasta work and like procrastinating can actually be valuable. There's like, sometimes there's things that we're doing that seem like we shouldn't be doing them. Our adult brain is like, don't do this. But for example, I think one of the things I mentioned to you is like when I'm really stuck, I work on something else and that usually unsticks me. So like having this concept of having like two canvases at the go at the same time, Mm. which is something my old painting instructor taught me or like going on a walk when I feel really stuck, uh, just getting up and moving around often I'll like get up and like do the dishes in my office or something, which seems like procrastination. But I know from experience that like, uh, moving and some kind of physical activity will usually unstick me. And the idea will happen when I'm like scrubbing a dish or something. So yeah, finding out what your personal systems are to keep the, to keep the tap on (laughs) is like part of the work. (laughs) Yeah. The work. I feel like the work is like the word of 2020, One, because we all had mad time to do the work in isolation. (laughs) But beyond that, I I think it is the way to unlock yourself. And I know personally, that's the journey I'm most excited about in this whole, like, I mean, it's one of the reasons I love our pod. I love Got Real Pod because it's a way to sort of, like, when I listen to it, I learn so much about the things I've done week over week that were tension points and I kind of work through them in real time with you and and uncovering what keeps your tap at least dripping. Like if it's not Mm -hmm. like pouring out, like at least going, you know, because it's it's not going to be right. right. Like look at like the careers of great artists, like Prince recorded, I don't know what, 37 studio albums or something. Not every single one of them was a hit. And like that example goes for any great creative person. Like 
everything is going to be like ebbs and flows. And Mm -hmm. like, I remember once a friend saying to me, his partner is a songwriter has written a bunch of like huge, huge, huge chart topping hits. Um, he was like, yeah, well, you know, like, uh, she's having a really good, like creative moment right now. So we're just going to like enjoy that because it won't always be that way. And I was like, wait, what do you mean? It won't always be that way. And he was like, well, you know, this is how songwriting goes. Like you don't, always write hits like you write hits sometimes (laughs) and I was like oh yeah like this reminder that sometimes we show up and we do the work and the work isn't actually that awesome but it's through continuing to work through those moments that you get back to a place of like writing the hit yeah I love that you also shared a quote with me that I wanted to share with our listeners because (laughs) for those that don't know I'm moving back to Brooklyn next week And I'm really excited because I think I am going to write this quote out and put it on a wall somewhere. It says, don't be vain because you happen to have talent. You are not responsible for that. It was not of your doing. What you do with your talent is what matters. You must cherish this gift. Do not demean or waste what you have been given. Work, work constantly and nourish it. And that's from Pablo Casals. That quote really spoke to me. Because I I often say to people that I feel like I'm at like maybe 70% optimization of self. And that's like work, personal life, mom life, all the lives. And I know that like there's a lot of opportunity for me to really look at like how much of am I pushing these things that I have gotten naturally or, you know, through my journey, like where is the stretch and how am I pushing it and how am I sort of incorporating that into the things I'm trying to do? And so I I love this idea of like nourishment and work as dual sort of streams and flows. And I was really, really thankful that you shared that quote. And I think you said that was from your cello teacher. Yeah, she used to have a poster with that on the wall of her studio, and I would see it every week when I came there for a lesson. I loved it. I'm really excited. I actually was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to paint because that's not my ministry, but I do (laughs) like typefaces, and I have a feeling that one of my new apartment projects is going to be like, I'm going to be that person doing my, like, why buy these things? I'm just going to do my own favorite quotes in typefaces mm. that I like and like frame I like them. That. Right? Yes. It yeah. will be one of my like once I'm in my apartment and have a working printer things that I'm doing. And this will be my first one that I do. So thank you. So You're welcome. Shall we record scratch? <laughs> well speaking of doing the work, it was just this morning actually. I was listening to the New York Times Daily, which I listen to that podcast all the time and It was just a really interesting and really emotional and intimate story about these white suburban women in Ohio who are hoping to swing the election for Joe Biden. And just these really very personal moments of them talking about how their complete worldview had changed over the last four years. And these are people that, you know, previously were Republican voters or were had voted for like a, a minority third party or not voted at all. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that the the political candidates had changed for them. It was really that their values had shifted. And it was just kind of like stunning to hear them talking about changing their mind on things like 
pro-life and that being like, for example, you know, like a very intimate personal decision that anybody should be able to choose whether to have an abortion or not. And I was like, almost like choked up this morning, listening to this podcast. I was like, oh my Damn, God. New York times, this is really good, like investigative reporting, but you just don't hear about people doing the work like that. And I guess to follow the theme of 2020 being about doing the work, it was like, these are women that are like really putting in the work to challenge their own assumptions, their opinions, the ways in which they were raised, Mm. like everything. And then share that message with others and what was really touching about it. And they didn't go into this on the podcast, but I suspect that it was part of it was the community piece, like creating these groups Mm on Facebook, creating content to share with the other members of the groups. Like in particular, they referenced a piece of content that was about how they were reframing Trump calling them quote unquote, suburban housewives and like how frustrating that was to hear as a woman in 2020 that has chosen to be a stay at home mom. Obviously it's not 1950 anymore. Right. <laughs> no one's like vacuuming and they're, I don't know, they're frilly apron or something. Right. And just like how out of date that statement was and to like poke fun at it and, and do it in these really smart very sophisticated, like content savvy ways where it just kind of really made me think about like, damn, y'all really learned something using Pinterest and Instagram to be <laughs> able to do this shit. <laughs> like, they love like Pinterest, unleashed though. the force, you know, the right. force of content creation. Right? right. Like these people are savvy. Like they really know how to, they know how to make things. They know how to tell stories creatively in sophisticated mediums. But yeah, what I was, where I was going with this was just like, the community aspect. Like I imagine that there's probably a large part of it. Like they talked about this one group, red wine and blue about them, like getting together over these, like sitting around a fire pit in someone's backyard and having a bottle of wine together. And like, Mm. I imagine the community aspect and the opening up to each other and the intimate moments is where like the real work is happening. And it was just, it was just kind of like a wow moment, you know, like, especially right before the election to listen to that. Their kids and motherhood were like two big topics. So one was um, George Floyd calling out to his mom and that being really like a call to all mothers and that Mm. really resonating with them. That was like one big part of it. And then the other one was their kids, like having to sit at the breakfast table and explain to their seven-year-old like why the president won't wear a mask. (laughs) Like, So it was family values, but in a way that we haven't, maybe seen being like the leading conversation in America before? Honestly, I'm choked up right now. Like, to be honest, like just hearing that, like, because part of me is like super empathetic and I'm like, I'm really glad to hear that they could identify his humanity enough to tune into such a nuanced part of that story that, I feel like mostly moms have been paying attention to. But then the other part of me is like, I mean, I think this record scratch for me is like, what are white women doing in 2020? Like, that's the name of the record scratch. Because (laughs) I was so angry when the data came out around, like, why Hillary didn't win. And not just because I was a Hillary Clinton supporter, but also because I was just like, So you guys just don't see what's happening in the world. And so part of me is like happy that like one, there's like a at the self-organizing level of conversation. Because to your point, I think that's where change happens. But like 
there's definitely another part of me that's like, where the hell have y'all been all this time? Like, why are you just... But like, I also think that that's not useful. However, part two of today's record scratch is like, Amy Barrett is definitely going to be sitting on the fucking Supreme Court. Like, this is happening. Yeah. I'm also angry. I'm also like, fuck, like, why couldn't you see that black people were human and cared about the moms before? Like, why couldn't you do all these things before now our Supreme Court is going to be so fundamentally different than the majority of our electorate as a American society, despite Trump being what he is, he is now becoming one of the most consequential presidents of our generation, cheerily by the number of Supreme Court justices that he's appointing. And the fact that like the long game that the Republicans have been playing of gerrymandering districts and all of this stuff is basically adding up to this moment now. And I feel like I'm encouraged to see people are changing their minds, but there are things that literally it has happened. And it can't change for like a long time. Generations. Amy is young and popping. Like she good. Like she, she like (laughs) literally I am happy they're coming around, but I'm like, Save us expanding the number of justices on the court. We are like royally fucked. Yeah. America needs to be more uncomfortable because I don't even feel like the media is reporting this in the way they should. Like, Yeah, like I'm not, I will be the first to admit that my understanding of American politics is not as deep as it could or should be as a non-American. But like... Oh, you're Canadian. I'll give you a pass. I don't understand how anything is going to get done over the next four years. If, for example, Joe Biden wins, like, how do the Democrats, like, pass any laws? (laughs) Well, they'll they'll pass legislation. How are things going to function? The the problem is going to be, if we can go from, like, I'm going to vote for this president differently to, like, I'm now going to organize more at a local level and then drive different people to the House and, more importantly, drive different women to the Senate specifically. Because right now you've got, like, Murkowski and Susan Collins. Murkowski's already said she's voting to confirm Amy Barrett. But we need these women to kind of take one step further and sort of now organize and be active players in the shaping of our legislation. Because, I mean, if anybody challenges these precedents and it's not stopped in the courts, it's not the new laws that are the problem. It's the protection of what has already happened. That's, yeah. And just like the fact that the Supreme Court has so much power over ruling different things. Yeah. Well, changes that want to be made to existing laws, for example, I'm concerned. How is this going to work? I have so many thoughts about this, which could be like a whole other episode. But I will say that I think Joe Biden is like our transitional president to like right set us. And I and I do hope that he and Kamala win. And I hope Kamala's sort of judicial understanding from her time as an attorney general in California I hope that her bullishness in negotiation is something that comes out and writes the course of the Supreme Court. 
what is the strategy for getting the American people to support a radical change to the Supreme Court? Because if we don't add a few more justices and balance this shit out, now granted that creates a whole other precedent. There's so many levels of what's happening with the Supreme Court that in my opinion is foreshadowing for like future battles that are going to keep coming up in presidency. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like literally on a tangent. So let's, let's move on from this and go to our culture moment because otherwise it's going to be Sheree's diatribe about what's the state of the Supreme Court and, and, and how we sign up emails to change it. So that's not what this show is for today. Let's move on to culture. <laughs> To know this, my love. I need to understand the meaning of your words. The other thing that I learned a lot from you about this week is how to purchase a delicious chicken. <laughs> so. <laughs> How to purchase a delicious chicken. It sounds like a really funny YouTube video or like TikTok. Like it sounds like a skit. Like it sounds like a sketch comedy. I mean, it kind of looked like it. So, all right. I got to tell you. So on Saturday, Sheree and I took like the day, I took like half a day off. I was like working Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. I was like, I need an unstructured day, girl. I can't like need to be somewhere at a specific time today. Mm -hmm. Like I just can't. And so Sheree was all about being a patron of the Mexican streets, as she put it. And we got some cash out and went to the very non-touristy part of town. And when we were dropping a friend of ours off in the car, she noticed there was like a line out the side of this, like, I guess you call it like a Mexican, like chicken shop. So like a pollo asado. So um, Sheree's like, we're going to go there because there's a big line coming out of that place. Like this is where it's popping. So within seconds, like it hasn't even been a minute. And somehow like Sheree is already inside the chicken shop (laughs) with the owner checking out the grill and being like, take pictures of me with him. And I'm just like, it was one of those moments where I just like turned my head for a second and like turned it back. And I was like, wait, what are you doing now? And she knew his name and they're having a whole story and like talking about how he makes them and like everything. And like, as we walk over to the bakery to pick up some other snacks while our chicken is cooking, I'm just like, how did you even do that? And Sheree's like, this is, this is just how I roll. This is like how I find the places, (laughs) make the contacts. And it was just such a culture moment. I mean, we had such a good time and Raul cooked us the most delicious chicken. Uncle Raul. All the photos in the world to prove it. (laughs) A few important details about Uncle Raul's chicken shop. The name of it is called the King of Chicken. So, you know, and mind you, this, all of these interactions are happening in Espanol, like to be clear, like this, oh, yeah, is, this sure is what's is happening. Fluent. Yeah. My favorite part of this whole moment with Uncle Raul was understanding that like flexing is a universal part of the culture. And I say this because Uncle Raul had a apron situation on and like full COVID, you know, 
vibes happening, as did his wife, and was a very chill dude who had been, I think he said, 23 years he'd been running this pollo asadero spot, which is basically like they split open a chicken, a whole chicken in half, and then like splay the chicken out and then like grill it. It was so interesting watching. Like I was like the institutional knowledge about grilling chicken that Uncle Raul has is a lot. But when the whole baby photo shoot video moment starts to happen at the chicken grill, Uncle Raul's like, well, I want a picture too. And he kind of walks to the back. This is like an outdoor place. So he comes back to the main area and he's like wiped off his face. The apron is like to the side. And he now has on like this gold chain situation. Uncle Raul was like, (laughs) if we're doing this, we're doing it. And like leaned all the way into this like photo session moment. Next thing we know, his wife is like showing us her tattoos. We're having a tattoo conversation. Han is showing off her tattoo. It's like a whole, like we've become a part of the King of Chicken, Playa del Carmen. Like we just become, that's where we are. That's our life. And so every other moment throughout the day is that. Like we are rolling to the bakery where we ate more gluten than we're supposed to in a week, in a day. (laughs) (laughs) Because Mexican pastries are the bomb and you might want to get involved. But it was just beautiful. Like, I think also having lived in Mexico for a few years, having coming back, but like in a place that's way more touristy than Mexico City, it was nice to just kind of be with the folk. And that's basically what we did. It was just like, we just allowed ourselves to be open. (laughs) And then in turn, people were open to us. It was just so fun. And there was a lot happening. And I think, I mean, for me, someone who travels all the time, like this is like what I live for. Like I live for meeting the Uncle Raul's of the world and like we're peers in this whole life game. It was just beautiful and dope. And I was so happy we got to do that together and that you were like down to roll with me. Of course. I love that stuff too. I was just so impressed with your ability to, it was just like watching a pro. Like I, I turned around for like a second and before <laughs> I realized it was just like all of a sudden we're like friends with Raul and we're getting the best chicken on the grill. And like, <laughs> I know that that wouldn't have happened if you hadn't have been there. Oh, <laughs> look at us. Oh, look at Please go on vacation, workation with your podcast co-host because this is what happens. I feel like we've got a couple of other culture things. I know you had something. Oh, yeah. We did our first like Discord Q&A for our community on Friday night, and it was super cute. We had Iris come in and talk about the video edits that she makes, and I would highly recommend checking out her work on Instagram. If you don't know her, her name is A-I-R. I-S, that's how you spell Iris. Yeah, she just does these really, really good edits. If you were a fan of like old school Vine, like editors crew, she's like, she's your person. Excellent looping, really thoughtful, borrowing a lot from different types of films. And she was so giving with her knowledge. She shared a whole list of films she's inspired by, a whole Spotify playlist of tracks that she's inspired by. And Just for like someone who's still in high school doing this stuff alongside all of her schoolwork, I was just so impressed is the only word that I can really use to describe Iris's work. So yeah, that was a whole culture moment on Friday night that was really cool. I love that. 
My only other sort of moment for the culture was a discovery of a new artist. So a friend of mine sent me a song that was really dope and it was called Stun Me by this singer-songwriter out of the UK called Liam Bailey. And I then binged like his whole, I think it was his 2014 album, and it was incredible. So I love discovering music that like came out forever ago, but it's like new to me. And so I was really happy about that. So Stun Me by Liam Bailey is the bomb. And thank you, friend, for sending it to me. And then also, it is, it's dope. And so I just wanted to like shout out singer songwriters because the music you make is often like, I can discover it 10 years later and it's often still dope and beautiful and amazing. And so I was really happy to discover some new music this week. I guess it's time for takeaways. I don't have a ton. I think I'll just focus on two. One is that consistency and discipline really are the measure of everything. Oftentimes, we go looking for answers and solutions and advice and sort of tell ourselves that we don't know the thing. But in reality, we just have not consistently and with discipline delivered what we know or done what we know to be true or what we know to be at least what we think. And I think for those of you who are entrepreneurs or just trying to move the needle forward in life, I would say, and this is something I'm doing myself, when you're in that moment where you're like, is this going to work? Or I don't know, or maybe I need to ask. I would say, make that first check-in with yourself. Have you consistently done the things you think will work or you think will move the needle forward, assess that because there's probably a shit ton of things you can learn before you go to like the external, please solve this for me. And I think that sort of blends with what I know to be takeaway two, which is creativity is not magic. It can feel magical. It can create magical experiences and things for other people. But the art of creativity is not magic in and of itself. Making it magical actually makes it feel unattainable. Mm -hmm. It does a disservice to it. It does a disservice to it for sure. And so I think for those of you who are creative or doing creative work, don't devalue creativity or your work by making it magic. It's inside of you and And it can feel magical, but don't devalue it that way. And it is a sort of like personal magic power, but labeling it as such will always keep it in the realm of like crayons and sparkly glitter. And that's totally not what it is. It's a very serious way that people make their living. And I really love that you brought that one up because I have this saying where I say like design is not magical pixie dust, like designers that try to be vague about their process or like I had an initial meeting and then like, poof, here it is. Like, I really hate that shit because Mm. it's not that it's a process of sitting down and drawing 10 thumbnails and then finding three that you like and then exploring those concepts and then doing a more high fidelity drawing and checking in with your stakeholders and making a thing like there's a process and it works and you can just get it done and it's repeatable. And it's not like making these things sort of like this, 
magical power is what keeps them out of the boardroom. It's like what keeps them out of having a serious conversation and being talked about within companies as an important aspect of the company's ability to get things done and make money. And when you look at all of these great companies that have made a ton of money off of creative tools or creative processes or helping people feel more creative, it needs to be given the gravity and the respect, but also just treated like any other function of the business. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. On that note, you guys can find us on all the places you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify. If you go to our Instagram, there's a little cool link and it'll show you all the places you can find us. You can also tweet us at GotRealPod. Send us an email at yo at GotRealPod. We'd love to know what you're thinking. We're like winding down 2020 and like, fastly approaching the new year and we're going to be doing some new things in the new season but it would be great to have you guys' feedback on like what's been working for you as a listener what do you wish we did more of what do you hate i don't think you hate anything but it'll be interesting if you do i like strong opinions generally but yeah thanks for listening and we will see you next thursday bye bye